are you ever like walking through your town or your you know in, or your city in the centre and you it's a sunny day and you see a man or even in a pub you're ever in a pub sitting down having a few pints a few jars a few scoops and you see you see a man in the corner and you think he looks cool because he's got denim jeans on and he's got they've, they've usually got boots like um Black boots, denim jeans, not skin tight, kind of boot cut jeans and a belt with a, one of those things on them in the front, like the Terminator would wear. Or, you know, it says Guns N' Roses on it or something. You go, wow, so cool. And then he's got a leather jacket on and he's like in, a fi- in his 50s. You think, my God, this guy's cool. He's got sunglasses on. You're like, whoa, whoa. could he be any cooler? Then you look up. He's got a backwards hat on. Backwards baseball cap. You go, this is the coolest man I've ever seen in my life. Never seen anyone cooler than this man right here. But then you look a little bit closer. You see something. Something that worries you. You look at his left hand. Looks like normal. One, that's a normal hand, you think to yourself. Normal fingers, normal nails. Nails clipped. Cut in. Nice and tidy. Then you look at the right hand and you think to yourself, oh my God, you see the nails. He's got long nails. Just in one hand. Just in one hand. He's got long nails. You're going, this, this is fucked up. Left hand, perfect, manicured. Right hand, big long nails. You go, that is creepy. This guy, I thought he was cool, but it turns out he's creepy. He's got one hand with big, long nails. You know, you you, you find yourself, um, find yourself feeling a bit, a bit disconcerted, a bit, a bit, you know, a, a bit unwell. A bit like you're just about to go down a, go down a steep climb in a, in a roller coaster in... Alton Towers and you go to your friend you go look at that guy he looks cool but look he's actually very creepy look at his hand his right hand that guy that's fucked up it's a creep one of the creepiest guys I've ever seen but your friend goes no 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 you got him all wrong he is he's got a reason for that he's a guitarist huh he's a guitarist man he keeps the long nails on the right hand so that he can play the guitar with those nails finger picking and strumming and you go, oh my God. You often see that, don't you? You often see a fellow going around. One hand, long nails. Other hand, normal nails. One hand, long nails. You think to yourself, that guy, that is creepy. But then you find out, oh, he's a guitarist. And you go, ah, so he's he actually is cool. And that is the reason I often pretend I'm a guitarist. Anyway, welcome to the show. James Brilliant Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Shane's Brilliant Podcast. I'm your host Shane Clifford. Uh, This is a podcast that episode that almost didn't happen. Disaster struck last night. Uh, I'm recording this now at 7.20 on Wednesday. Usually the podcast is ready and fucking waiting to go out. But here I am. 
a whole day late recording it because last night I fucking was going recording it, had it all set up. And then I said, you know what? I'll just move the mic over here, pull out the USB cord that goes into it. It's a USB mic. Fucking pull out the whole USB connection from the mic. Destroyed it. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do the podcast. I'm fucked. Went looking around online for, for replacement mics for today. Everywhere was sold out or closed. Or you have to order them and it wouldn't be until next week. I was like, what am I going to do? If I don't podcast, I'll die. Because that's what happens when you podcast. Don't start. Because then you'll find yourself going, if I don't podcast, I'll die. I have to do it. So I went to the lowest common denominator, the lowest of the low that you can go. I went asking on Twitter, does anybody help? That's what I said. Does anybody help? Does anybody help me out there? I need a mic for tomorrow or I'm going to die. And uh, took a while, I must admit. Took a while. Took took longer than I'd like to think. I, t- I thought there was more people out there that were willing to help me. <laughs> but, you know, people have, I suppose people have got their own problems these days. People have their issues. People have things to do. They don't give a fuck about me. Except for one man, my friend James Moran, who said, I'll give you a mic. Kind of said it a bit um, grudgingly. He said, I, I have one. I have the same one that you had. I'll give it to you. I said, thank God. Uh, he, James Moran is a good man. He said, I'll give it to you on one condition that you give my podcast a shout out. I was like, fuck's sake, I have to shake hands with the devil here. And so here, look, his podcast is something about politics and humor. <laughs> That's not what it's called. It's called Celtic Ligers, you see. Tiger, Celtic Tiger was the name of the the nickname of the roaring economy in the late 90s, early 2000s. But they decided to go with ligers, which are um, when a tiger and a lion have some freaky interspecies sex. And uh, out pops a liger, a lion and a tiger. But other than that, listen, lads, it's good to be (laughs) it's good to be here talking to you. Week 25, that's like half a year nearly. That's crazy isn't it man like uh when you started listening if you listen to the whole 25 of these i just want to say thank you very much um it's been great uh getting through the pandemic with you and from hearing all the stuff that you've been telling me you know um you know the good messages and the nice messages and the um you know words of support and the people on patreon um you uh, better you can sign up to the patreon uh patreon.com forward slash shane's brilliant podcast if you want to support the show, there's a few extra pieces up there. You can check them out. And, um, you know, so it's great, man. 25 weeks. And one of the biggest successes of the show, of course, has been the Ellen DeGeneres saga. If you were here, I think it was episode maybe two or three. I spoke at length about um, Ellen DeGeneres. And how it was my belief that Ellen, the great, beautiful, uh, joyous, generous, degenerous, was actually, in my opinion, a psychopath. And I don't know if you've been watching the news recently, but it turns out that I was right. And that was six months ago. I am fucking... (laughs) No, listen... I know I'm like I said I'm doing this podcast on an ironing board 
inside my bedroom. My cat's walking around. You know, my, there's my laptop is plugged into a television. Uh, um, I'm not saying that I'm the most powerful podcaster and influential person in the planet, you know. But I'm just saying, look at the power of the podcast that I have. I single-handedly brought down Ellen. She turned out to be even worse than I thought. You can't, people are walking into rooms, you can't even look at her. <laughs> I can't wait to be that successful. When James was dropping over the podcast fucking microphone to me a while ago, you know, I said, don't look at me, man. Stop looking at me. Look at the floor. Give me the mic and get out. And that's what I want, the way I want, I want to be like Ellen. And I think that all these really wonderful, and I'm using air quotes, people on, um, on, you know, TV are fucking probably psychopaths behind it all. You know, I was watching um, a video of Tom Waits recently. Uh, Tom Waits is one of my favorite singers. And he was, um, he got his honeymoon in Tralee, right? There was a rumor going around for years or a story, you know. Tom Waits, man, he got fucking married in down here, man. He fucking loves Tralee. Do you know the song Rain Dogs? It's about Tralee, man, right? And and then people were going, nah, that's, that's just one of those stories like fucking... You two were washing dishes in the Abbey Inn, right? But uh, if there's a video on YouTube of him on the Late Late Show talking to Gay Byrne in 1983, just after getting married, being and they talk, his wife, Kathleen, talks about being in Tralee and how wonderful it is, right? She must have been fucking pissed or something. And uh, it's really cool footage, but do you know what I noticed? Gay Byrne, man. When he's ta- he goes into the audience to talk to her, to Tom Waits' wife, and he puts his hand on her knee. She's wearing like a skirt. Puts his hand on her knee like a, like some sort of perv. No, listen, I don't want to talk ill of the dead. I'm not saying, I'm just saying all these fucking hosts, man. Pat Kenny was probably a diva. Pat Kenny was probably fucking going around when he was on the Late Late Show. Anyone looked at him, he'd fucking headbutt him. Don't, don't look at Pat Kenny. I can't do his voice. <laughs> That's my Pat Kenny voice. Don't look at Pat Kenny. Um, you know, remember that guy that came up and started talking to him like, you, Pat Kenny, are a piece of shit. Remember that guy? And they had to cut it off. It's you, You've all seen that, that clip. Uh, he was right, probably. These hosts, they've all got issues. You know, Gay Byrne probably kept a gun inside in his desk. Murdered people. <laughs> I don't trust any of them I mean we all know about Ryan Tuberty <laughs> did you ever see that you should google uh, Ryan Tuberty's oh I'm going to do it now in a second alright this is an article that was on the Irish Mirror um, website right and it was from October 2013 and the headline of the article is Ryan Tuberty likes it hot between the sheets okay now, if you see that article headline, Ryan Tuberty likes it hot between the sheets. You do either two things. You either fucking click instantly or you leg it out of the fucking room. You just wash your eyes with a toothbrush. Okay, I'll read some of it. It goes, Ryan, RT star Ryan Tuberty has revealed his lovers have to work hard to make him <laughs> happy in bed. The normally straight-laced late, late show host. Imagine working hard to please Ryan Tuberty in bed. 
you know? Is this enough rain? No. Harder. Work harder. I mean, if that's what he treats his fucking... If that's the way he treats his, his women. You have to work harder to please me. I'm Ryan Toberty. Imagine what he's... <laughs> imagine, what he's <laughs> imagine what his interns have to do. I mean, that's when he's... Ha- the most joyous time of his life is when he's having sex and he's making them work. No, work harder. Asked if he was happy with just getting some sex in his life. Tubbs uh, admitted he likes a certain quality of sex when he gets down to business with his girlfriend. I think there has to be a certain quality of product and standards kept, he said. There has to be a certain quality of product. (laughs) You know the way they say there's lizard people that run the planet? Uh, Like, um, um, you know, like all the prince and the queen and Bill Clinton, they're all lizard people from planet whatever it is. Um, and they've come here and they, they take human human form. What are they called again? Somnoids? Lizardoids? Anyway, do they go down as far on the totem pole as Ryan Tuberty? Because that is not human. Reptilians, that's what they are. You know, do they go down as low as a guy on RTE? They, is he a reptilian? Is he like a bad reptilian that couldn't fucking hack it as a as a president? And they were like, look, we'll make you a, as a you know, we'll make you a a presenter on, on on Irish television so because you know what he just said there that there has to be a certain when you're having sex with you there has to be a certain amount there has to be a certain there has to be a certain quality of product and standards kept and then he said uh, uh, women he joked and Tuberty joked women should get a, a quality tick on their arse to prove whether they're good in the bedroom <laughs> I mean, listen, this article came out seven years ago. Times were different back then. People could... I mean, if you said that a woman should have a quality tick on her ass now in 2020, you'd be, be uh, beheaded. But back then, Ryan Tuberty could just get away with whatever he wanted. But my point is... Sorry, I got... I had to. T- you had to listen to me talking about Ryan Tuberty... Ryan Tuberty's sexual habits. But the point is... All these presenters are psychopaths. Um... Except for podcast presenters, but television presenters and certain podcast presenters are probably psychopaths, you know. Um, And the the main point is that I was right about Ellen and I would be right about everything else. I'd be proven right about everything else. Um, Anyway, that was just uh, what I wanted to talk about and say thanks. Congratulations to me about making 25 episodes. I'm very proud of myself and I'm proud of um, you for listening to this. Um, being a li- It's kind of like a little community where, because it is little. Uh, I looked at the stats as about a, a thousand people a week from all over the, the globe. But, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a little community, but it's, it's nice to be in a little community like that. And I, and I enjoy it and I hope you do too. Um, I'm just... Uh, while I was talking there, I had a mental image of me getting a tattoo uh, quality tick on my own arse and having sex with <laughs> Ryan Tuberty. Um, I'm going down to Chirley on fr- on Saturday for a week and I am excited because I'm going back and it's going to be the first visit 
in six months. Going to see all the, the town, all the lads and get to sleep in the old bedroom. My um, posters up in the wall, posters of pinups that I used to like when I was 14, like Cameron Diaz. Remember Cameron Diaz and Mask? Jesus. I, that's one of the first memories I have of going, oh, what, what, what's that? Oh, what's that feeling? What's that feeling? Whoa. And that was like 1994. I was eight. Sick. Uh, no, I was going to tell a story, a sick story there, but I won't. <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to sleeping in my room. Uh, looking at Cameron Diaz. Playing my guitar. Um, listening to the sounds of the street outside. There's a, a, a family that live up two doors from me. And they got two dogs. Right. And one of like two doors up from my mother's house literally and one of the dogs is called like Chris something like that is it Chris or Dave something like that anyway I think it's Chris and he's like a lovely little you know little cute little like terrier and then their other dog (laughs) is called Provo Provo after the or provisional IRA <laughs> That's the name of the dog, and he's a big fucking fearsome fucker with big teeth and drool hanging down. You know, if he latched onto you, it would be, uh, you know, your fingers would be gone. That's Provo, man. And you'd be lying in, in bed sometimes, and all you hear is, Provo! Provo! You start getting fucking jumping under your bed just in case. You know? That's my first reaction when I hear the word Provo. It's a great name to call. <laughs> Call your dog after, you know, a, a terrorist organization. Provo, man! Provo, come in for your dinner! Provo! That's all you hear. You start getting flashbacks to Nam. Um, you know, and you can always tell, you could even tell, if you went down there you could, and you saw Chris and you saw Provo side by side, you could tell which one is which easily. Because like I said, Chris is like the small little, you know, handsome little, cute little terrier with a little dicky bow and all that shit. And Provo is like this big fucking guy. He looks like a Provo. And you can tell that he is Provo because, um, you know, he's wearing a balaclava. (laughs) And he's got a Belfast accent. Uh, He says, Bork. Uh, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back there to Trilly. But the pubs aren't going to be open, but um, it doesn't matter. You know, get to see my my old mama. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I should not have brought up that Ryan Tubbery thing because that's all that's on replaying in my brain as I'm trying to talk. A certain quality of product. <laughs> like he's talking about a JVC hi-fi system. Yeah, I demand a certain quality of product for my, for my JVC hi-fi. I like to hear all the decibels, you know. I like to have a certain quality of product, my women. In the bedroom. A certain quality of product. Like that is the least sexiest thing you could possibly say. I wonder is like Pat Kenny into weird and sex. <laughs> I don't think so. I think Pat Kenny just lies on a lies <laughs> lies on a wooden floor. But listen, let's move on, man. I don't want to be to- thinking about that for the whole thing, you know. What did I do? I went to the cinema for the first time in months and months and months. 
I went to the Lighthouse Cinema and it was, I went to see Mulholland Drive, which is a movie, if you haven't seen that, you have to see. Uh, it's about, well, what, I mean, I don't know what it's about, but it's by David Lynch. So it's one of my, he was one of my heroes. It's one of my favorite films of the last 20 years anyway. And uh went to see it in the cinema. It was great to get out of the house and watch something, you know. But I'm a fucking, this is how awkward I am. I see I came from like I said I come from Tralee right you all know that I went to the I went to Tralee cinema all the time now a lot of my listeners are from Dublin right and so they grew up they don't know how they're privileged they've got Dublin privilege cinema privilege okay they don't know how lucky they are to have grown up in a place where you can go to the cinema and you can get coffee. You can bring coffee in while you're watching the film. And not only that, listen, there's people who are listening now from Cork and their minds are getting fucking blown. They're after turning this off and having to have a light on. You can get coffee. Not only that, wait till they hear this. You can get beer. You can bring beer into the cinema. Like that still thrills me. I've been up here for a year. I used to go to the cinema all the time. That thrills me, man. You can go to the cinema, you can get beer. You can get pissed. <laughs> you don't have to sneak cans in a big coat into the cinema like we used to do in Tralee. You want to watch, uh, you know, X-Men 2. You have to bring in, you can just buy them in there and it's fine. So I always get a beer because it just, it's, it just makes me feel like I'm an adult or something or it makes me feel like I'm in the big city buying a beer in the cinema. And so the other day I was going to the movies and I went up to the counter. I got beer and a popcorn, <laughs> beer and popcorn, you know, <laughs> fucking nerd. Yeah, I love a beer. I love a beer, please. Yeah. And can I get a medium popcorn too, please? <laughs> give me a beer. Give me a, give me your, give me a fucking whiskey, man. Oh, do you hear my cat, man? You fucking shut up, man. <sighs> but uh, I went up to the the counter and I was like, you know, give me a beer and give me the fucking popcorn. Okay? I'm fucking cool. I'm Mr. City. I'm Mr. Cosmopolitan. You know? I'm an adult. If my fucking parents could see me now. Beer and a popcorn in a cinema. I've made it, ma'am. And I was walking down towards the screen and they had a girl there standing there with a mask on telling you where to go because it's all fucking, you know, it's all, what's it called, socially distancing. It's all spread out and it's all safe and everything's really good, actually. And I went up to the girl and she... uh, she was like, oh, can I see your ticket? Now, I'm like fucking Laurel and Hardy in one body. I had my coat in my hand because it was so hot. I had I was holding the popcorn in the other with the arm wrapped around it just in case anybody tried to take it from me. And I had my bottle of Peroni wedged in the fingers in the middle, holding it between my two hands, if you can picture that. And I was trying to get my fucking ticket out of the back of my pocket, lift it out. What did I do? Fucking spilt Peroni everywhere. All over the place. 
And I started fit, and I was trying to stop that. Fucking holding onto the popcorn, drop my coat. The fucking the fizz was coming out the top of it. There should have been some of that music, that clown music playing. What's that clown music? Da, 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 da. Uh, so let's see here. All right, this is me walking towards the thing, trying to pull a ticket out of my pocket because I'm, try- you know, I'm so afraid of authority. Like she's, I, I, I've been in situations where I've lost my ticket right between buying it and having to go up to the, go into the cinema screen. You know, I have done that, and not just once, loads of times. Um, I've gone to bought the ticket, put it in my pocket, got the popcorn, went up, no ticket. So I was freaking out, man. I'm walking up, right? <laughs> and the one asked me for the thing, and this was the music was playing. There's me fucking trying to get the ticket out of my back pocket while my hands are full of popcorn, Peroni, my coat. And I'm going, and the whole time I'm going, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm a fucking clown. Spill that everywhere. But then she said, hey man, listen, I'll get you a new fucking beer. You know, I'll get you a new beer. So uh, it was kind of worked out cool because then I went into the screen, sat down. She came in 10 minutes later and handed me a beer. So it looked fucking like I was the king. That the staff, people were looking over at me, you know. Because they didn't see the whole fucking Laurel and Hardy, Charlie Chaplin thing outside. So they thought that I was Mr. Cool. So then I watched the movie Mulholland Drive, which is a great film. It's a movie about Hollywood and it's about unrequited love and it's extremely powerful. But it's very abstract. And there was a guy there with his girlfriend just down um, a few seats down from me, like on their first date. It looked like a first date or one, you know, early on in the relationship. And they were sitting there drinking and eating popcorn. And the film is abstract. You get confused, you know, especially the first time you see it. I've seen it about six times and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just getting a handle on what it all means now. And the guy was explaining everything to her. And the reason he's walking in there now with that gun shooting him is because, remember, he said that bad word to, her, to his wife, you know, mansplaining the fuck out of it. And then there was a sex scene in the middle, right? I won't ruin it for you because it's a big plot point. But there's like a fairly famous sex scene right in the middle. You see boobs. Okay, you see fucking boobs. And he started giggling. <laughs> like that. I mean, come on, man. Either be a mansplain or, you know, giggle at the sex. You can't do both. And I was thinking then, wouldn't it be cool if you could... Like, if you're a girl listening to this, you should set up a thing on, like, adverts.ie or Craigslist in America or wherever, wherever, and put up, uh, be, you know, I'll be willing to, you can pay you, all right? This is my idea. Pay the woman. You get to take her to the cinema. Because we all love mansplaining movies. It's just built into us. We can't, I can't help it. I do it to Kira all the time. And it's sad. I know it's wrong. It's not like I mean to do it. If I catch myself doing it, I'll stop. But you should be able to hire a, a, a lady, bring her to the cinema, give her, you know, whatever her charges, I don't know, let's just say 60 quid, and you just get to mansplain to her for the whole movie. You get to go, you know, now the, the reason he is 
the Joker. Do you know, remember the fella that fell into the vat? She's like, yeah. And she doesn't even have to pretend that she's interested. She can just be like a real girlfriend. Going, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because girls are kind of, I think, uh, you know, in relationships, they're just, they do it too. They kind of just go, oh, yeah. Uh, subconsciously. Or without a second thought. Because they're so used to, let's say, me mansplaining to them. That it's just become this sort of symbiotic thing where I do it without really thinking women do, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, they sit there and uh, take it without thinking, you know, it's, I don't know what they call it, everyday sexism or something. But wouldn't it be good? That's a good business opportunity. So if you're out there and you're a lady, think about it. Let's say a guy, um, he just really wants to go and see Jurassic Park, right? They're doing a Jurassic Park 30 years or whatever later. 30 year reunion, 30 year um, uh, reissue. And you go and watch it and he's like, no, uh, this is all he gives you a hundred quid and buys you popcorn and everything. And all he'd be doing is going, um, see, no, see that claw. That is the claw. Remember the claw that your man found? In, at the start in the, in the sand that is the same claw that the velociraptor has you see and then you just go mm. <laughs> I think it would be a good business thing that's what another one of Shane, Shane's uh, industries um, so yeah I went to see Mulholland Drive which was good to get out of the cinema or to get out of the house and go something and I came back man my cat was like Georgie was having a a panic attack or something that I was gone so long. I was gone for three hours. Longest I've been away from her in in uh, in six months. Um, the other day I had, actually before I go on, I had a, a thought and I just wanted to, to get your opinion. Is it wrong? I, you know, I get Deliveroo a lot, me and Kira, we get a lot of Deliveroo. Where Deliveroo stands, where we've got, I'm on Deliveroo Plus. <laughs> They got my picture hanging up in the wall, you know. I'm surprised they don't send out like six or seven Deliveroo, Deliveroo fucking cyclists to come and intervene, do an intervention. Tie me down in a chair. Tell me that it's enough. Mexican Mondays. That's what we have in this house. Taco Tuesdays. Wow Burger Wednesdays. I don't know anything. I don't need anything else that starts with tea apart from tacos. And then um, uh, Five Guy Fridays. Um, but sometimes when you, you get a, a Deliveroo rider who's a woman, a girl. And is this wrong? I often find myself when I get a Deliveroo rider who's a girl, feeling kind of proud of her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just kind of like in my head, good for you. Good for good for you, good for you, being a, a delivery driver. That's you know, you know, fair play. That's the way I feel sometimes. You know, I'm kind of like mm, that. It kind of makes me happy inside that there's a female, uh, a, a, you know, d- delivery person. But is that wrong? <laughs> you know, am I being a bit condescending? I think I am. Is it kind of like saying, I mean, I don't mean it to be. I'm looking like, you know, if you saw, 
years ago you'd never see a woman taxi driver and then you know you'd see a few and you'd always go oh fucking fair play fair play ladies they're keeping it you're, you're fucking getting your foot in the door of the taxi driving thing you know these were uh, traditionally male dominated industries you know is that wrong is that wrong to feel that is that am I being uh, old school am I being archaic am I being a bit of a fucking dinosaur like a velociraptor See, there's a fella listening to this, right, with his girlfriend, and he's got Sage, do you know the way he said Velociraptor there? That was a bit of a call back there to a few minutes ago when he said it. <laughs> but anyway, that's just a thought. That's Shane's um, Thursday thought. <clears throat> Let me know if I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, I'm going down to Tralee, and I can't wait to go down. This is the longest I've been away from home. The, the other time, the, uh, the the second longest I've been away from home. It was when I was in Asia a f- few years ago for six months. I told you about that in a fairly graphic podcast where I talked a lot about feces. But um, that was the se- that was a long time, and that feels that felt uh, way. It was around the same length of time actually, but this just nudges it up six months. That was six months. This is like six and a bit months, and this feels way longer than that this feels like I haven't been home in years uh, I was talking about this on a different podcast actually my trip in Asia because they were asking me you know how did you get started in com- all that kind of stuff the usual questions how did you get started in comedy and like I was on about how I used to be very fucking shy and like a hermit and doing all my hermit jokes uh, you know you don't you don't see many hermits around these days things like that and uh, they asked, well, well how, what changed? And it was the, the trip in Asia was the catalyst for being able to even talk to people just in a conversation when you meet them in the street. And I still find that difficult, but it was something before that I couldn't do at all. And what happened was, I, you know, you might know this story if you've heard me on a different podcast or something. You know, we went around... Bangkok and uh, Thailand for a month and a bit and then we went to Laos which is a country uh, in the in in um next to Thailand and we didn't like Laos at all Laos is sort of um a lot of people like Laos but I don't know if you've been there nothing much happens there at all it's extremely Sleepy, you know, when you think of a sleepy, dusty border town in a western movie with um tumbleweed going by and a fella asleep on a chair with a cowboy hat, it was kind of like that, except with no tumbleweed and no cowboys either. <laughs> but uh, it was just so boring and hot and sticky, and like they close everything down at 10 o'clock, like there's no pubs. There's a curfew like at 10 o'clock. No shops, no nothing. Everything's closed. Like people are getting their last rounds in a quarter to 10. <laughs> quarter to 10. Can you imagine that? And it's not even a Sunday or anything. It's it's a Saturday night. Mm. And so it was just like, we not for us, you know. And it used to be a, a haven in, and they kind of cut, closed, they kind of clamped down on drug use. 
used to be a place where you could just take a lot of drugs, a lot of mushrooms and acid and smoke weed and get weed pizzas and stuff. But they clamped down on that before we came. And even so, and that included the alcohol, because I think a lot of American teenagers are going there, right? And they were doing this thing where they get in a, like a big tire and they go down a rapids in a river. What was it called? I can't remember. It had some stupid name, but they used to get pissed and take fucking acid and everything and go down these like rivers in a tire. And a lot of them started dying, you know, because it is dangerous. And so they started clapping down because they were like, we can't have you know as much as we we like to have american teenagers dying in our country after what they did to us we can't fucking actually have it so they said all right we'll close we'll close everything down you know drugs are out but me and Kira weren't going there for that we were just going there as you know backpackers we were just going here to see the place we want to see the world man we want to find ourselves and when we got to laos it was like we were walking around at 10 o'clock hey boys any fucking pubs up man any pubs up, man? Ah, boys. Boys. And we went to the capital city, Vientiane. And there's absolutely nothing to do there. It's the least capital, capital city you've ever seen. You know? It's, there's nothing going on. At all. The only thing that was there was bowling. Me and Kira went playing bowling together. And she destroyed me. It was a joke. I mean, destroyed me. It was her, like my first time playing her and she destroyed me. I'm the worst at bowling, by the way. Honestly, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. I went playing with comedians there not long before the pandemic. Closed everything down. Out in Tala in the leisure plex. And I went fucking bowling. And I came last. I'm awful. The, I, I, I have the technique down. I do the fucking down on the knee. The hand twist the wrist twist I got all that you know I look like I'm, I know what I'm doing but it then goes straight into the gutter this is this is the soundtrack when I'm playing but when I'm bowling <laughs> here comes Shane Clifford he's coming up he's got a size 12 he's he's fucking barely lifted here he goes he swings back he's oh he looks like the part he's down one knee he's fucking wrist is turning oh gutter ball gutter ball they call him Shane Gutterball Clifford. That was on his birth cert. Thirth. Um, so anyway, we were in Laos and we, that was all there was to do, bowling. And we were like, fuck it, we'll get out of here. We go early. We'll go down to South, South Laos, Southern Laos. We'll go to Paxi because there's nothing happening here, man. And we went and we said, when's the next bus? And the guy behind the counter at the at the place said, well, there's this one here for a 15 euro that leaves in two hours. And there's this one here for a fiver that leaves uh, in three hours. Now, the one for a, you know, for a 15 euro is high class, safe. Um, you know, it's a company. I was like, just give me the one for the fiver. <laughs> just give me the one for the fiver. There's no need for the spiel. Give me the cheapest one. So... We went to the bus and it was very weird because first there was no bus. The bus didn't show up. They just put it there. It's like, get into the car, get into the car. We're like, what? We'll drive it to the bus. So it was just like an unmarked car, just nothing, just like fella's car. He started driving like 160 miles an hour through the sleepy streets of, of Laos. 
and he brought us to this bus. And the bus is in Laos. Like, they're like, I don't know. They're like the Tralee town bus, if you know what that is. It's a bus from 1981 or something. You know, that's the kind of buses they have because they're, they're, they're still so poor. And there's no, like, air conditioning or anything. The seats are, like, wood. And uh, there's chickens and stuff walking around the buses, you know. And there is, um, like, there was motorbikes in the aisle of the bus. Like, that's where fellas were just bringing their motorbikes on the bus, parking it in the aisle, sitting down, then getting off and going, taking their motorbike off and driving away. Like, I mean, why? I don't know. I mean, that's the whole purpose of having a motorbike is that you don't have to get the bus. But look, let's not uh, query the ways of the Far East. And we got on, <laughs> we got on this bus anyway. And in Laos, they don't really have roads. They just have like mud, mud that people drive on. And every journey no matter how short. It could be from Drogheda to Belfast. It could be from Trey to Killarney, that distance. It could be from um, Galway to... I mean, there's nowhere else around Galway that I know. But you know what I mean. Could be from... Could be from downtown Manhattan to uptown. And it will still take over 20 hours, no matter how short it is. You know, no matter how long or how short... 20 hours plus. Like we'd been on a few buses in Laos already. We knew the score. So we got on the bus. And was driving blah blah blah. And then. The crazy thing. About it is. They play really loud. I mean fuck the loud. Loud Latian traditional music. You know. Full blast. Let me see if I can get up some Latian traditional music. Full blast for the whole 20 hours. Uh, Laos music. Here we go. (laughs) Over the fucking bus. For the whole journey. Alright. They're playing that for hours. So listen. It's just not the most comfortable environment. But even worse, they'll play that music and then about once, twice an hour. And this is the God honest truth. All right. You might think I'm making this up for fun. But they play that crazy music. You know, it's not, I mean, it's not crazy to them, but to us, that music. And they'll take like a break from that. And then they'll play a song by Westlife. The band Westlife. The Irish boy band. The Irish naughties boy band. Westlife. Like, what? That's what you say. What? Every hour. You shake your head and you go, what? It's going, flying without wings. You know, what the fuck? Every hour catches you by surprise. And then they go back to the Laos music again. Right? So anyway, we drove through the night. And... Very slowly, like a snail pace. Like snails go slow. That's why they call it um, a snail pace. That's what it means. You ever see a snail trying to go from one side of your garden to the next? And you want to pick them up and bring them across, but you know, never interfere with nature. That's what my um, fourth class teacher taught me. 
um, you know, snails just got to be and the spiders just got to fly. And, but, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, a lot, right? So I remember falling asleep and waking up and just hearing, like the bus was just going through mud. It wasn't moving. It was just, and I looked out the window and we were at the edge of a fucking cliff. <laughs> it was insane. I just closed my eyes again, went back to sleep. Didn't want to know reality at that point. And still at this time, the music, we got off, we were driven to like this petrol station and we got off and they said, uh, we have to change bus. So we didn't know any of the places. We did, were like, where's the bus to Paxi? And they were like, huh? We're like, where's the bus to Paxi? Huh? We had to go around and f- we eventually said, is this the bus to Paxi? And they were just looking at us and they said, get on, get on. So we just basically picked a random bus and hoped for the best. And when we were getting on, there was a, right, the driver of the bus was a 14 year old boy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. A 14 year old boy. Either that or a very malnourished, you know, 30 year old or whatever. And he was looking, uh, he, he was surrounded at the bottom of his chair by a, a hill of, um, like a fucking mountain of empty cans of, of Red Bull. Red Bull, like a monster and things like that. Just because they drive through the night, they drive for hours, they're driving for 20 hours. So they have to stay awake and his mouth was fucking foaming because they take this thing called um, the drive, the bus drivers over there, they take this thing called Yabba. It's basically like even cheaper and more industrial strength, like crystal meth to keep them going. So, you know, you if you're in a normal situation, you go, fuck this man, motorbikes on the thing, loud Westlife, you know, a 14 year old speed freak driving like a. Like a snail, you know, this is just too, this is like being in a David Lynch film. But, you know, when you're in that situation, because everything is so different in Asia and everything is so sort of, um, you know, like you see families of of six on, mo- on motorbikes and things like that. And that's just normal over there. The first time you see that, you're going, Jesus Christ, look at that, a fucking whole family and a dog on a bike. Look at that guy. He's driving a motorbike through the streets of Hanoi and it's not even... There's a fridge on the back of the motorbike and it's not even tied on. I saw that. A standing up fridge on the back of a motorbike not tied on. And the first few times you see those things, you go, Jesus Christ. But then you see it so much because it's so normal over there that all that kind of thing becomes like normalized. So when you're in this situation where you shouldn't really be getting on the bus, bus drivers on drugs, motorbikes, there's Westlife, you're going, you know, eh, it's just fucking... What happens in Asia, you know? So we got on the bus and we went back to sleep, me and Kira. Um, that was about two o'clock in the morning. Woke up the next morning at um, about six o'clock. I woke up. Kira was spread across the aisle. Not spread across the aisle. She was on the chair across from me, across the aisle, spread out, spread across the two chairs, sound asleep. And I remember I looked out the window and there were seagulls outside, and it was beautiful Laos countryside. You could see like the the there's no mountains in Laos really, just flat up to the horizon. And there was fellas in the field in the paddy fields with scythes, you know, things like that. And it was beautiful. It was like something out of a film. It was like paradise. And I was like, oh, six o'clock in the morning. We're supposed to be in Paxi at like seven. 
not too long left. Been on this bus for fucking 24 hours. Music is still, bla- you know, blaring. And I was like, this, this is, you know, not long left. So I said I'd go back to sleep for an hour until we got there. And I don't know how long later, it felt like only a few minutes. I was woken up by the bus speeding up from, I don't know, maybe 60 miles an hour, 60 kilometers an hour to to 100, 100 plus, just like instant, like, like it just out of nowhere. And then I was startled, but you know, when you wake up, you don't really know what's happening. You don't know what's going on. You don't know, you know, for a few seconds what where you are. And just when I was kind of coming to my senses, the bus sort of veered off the road, you know. And this was actually at a point in, like, Southern Laos is a little more developed, so this was actually a road. And it veered off the road into the into the grass neck beside it and and the rocks and it was still going 130 miles an hour and it started bouncing up and down violently I could see the guy in front of me being flung up and nearly hitting the roof and flying back down again and Kira was woken from her slumber and she turned to me and uh, she, just when she turned to me, I looked at her and like, when you're in that situation as well, everything's in, like in slow motion, you know, things that take like a split second, tenth of a second, when you remember them, it feels like it took minutes. So I remember looking over at her and just when I was looking over at her, I could st- feel like the bus like a and the, and the roller coaster again um going down a roller coaster or going up going up a, a, a climb and i looked and i could see the window i could see the ground coming up towards the window you know and i could tell oh shit the bus is turning over it's flipping over on its side and Kira went, you know, Shane, what's going on? She screamed like that. What's going on? Just sheer panic. And I turned to her and I said, the fucking bus is crashing. What do you think? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. What I actually said was, Jesus Christ, like that. I said, Jesus Christ. Don't let me die. I have a son at home. Now I don't have a son. But you try anything in that situation to trick him. <laughs> you know, he might be an oversight. He might go, oh, better save this guy. So the bus actually flipped over. All I can remember really is the noise. Just loud noise. <laughs> Violent screeching. And dust. And I don't know how long it was 
scraping across the ground for felt like ages. And you didn't have time to think. I didn't think, oh my God, I'm going to die. You didn't think. It was just like your mind was empty. Like you were just about to, the split second before your horse crosses the line and you've got, you want to win a hundred quid. Just that emptiness. And all of a sudden it stopped. And I jumped up. And I couldn't see Kira anywhere because of the dust. So I was calling her, Kira, Kira. And I went over through the dust. And there she was sitting on the floor. On the, or on the, the ceiling of the bus. And it was just... I was so happy that she was alive and she looked okay. I picked her up. And... I was like, we have to get off the bus because when I was talking to her, we were just under the engine and oil started pouring out. So I was like, we have to get off. And there was another guy who was from Laos. He was there and he was sort of kicking in a window or kicking out a window, I should say. So I went over and helped him, started kicking it with him. And we broke the window. And me and the guy got out. Left Kira there. <laughs> no, but we got out first and we went and pulled Kira out. A guy went like this, run, and we ran. But the bus didn't explode. And it was like pandemonium, you know. And you remember weird things in those situations. Like I remember a family of, you know, farm workers, father and children and mother, children were like nine, ten, walking past the upside down bus, debris everywhere, and just walking past it like it was an everyday occurrence. It was so strange. And there was a woman, or a young woman, in her early 20s, maybe late teens, lying down on the ground. And in that, at that point, I had so much adrenaline going through me. But I saw that woman lying down, and I was like, look at that woman. I, I said, we have to help her, we have to help her, like that. And a guy just looked at me and he put his finger across his neck, like, you know, the international sign of she's dead. And I still sometimes think of that woman. And she wasn't on the bus. That's the weird thing. We don't know. She, she obviously got hit by the bus. And she was somebody covered her in a blanket. I, that image kind of stays with me sometimes. But me and Kira sat down on the ground. The guards or the police came. And... They started fucking screaming at the bus driver who was in the ground bawling his eyes out crying. Started screaming at him, pointing at me and Kira because we were the only two Westerners there. And screaming at them and pointing at us, screaming at him, pointing at us. Basically like, you fucking better not have hurt these foreigners because obviously they don't want any... Westerners hurt because it's bad for tourism and stuff. So the bus driver came over to us 
was like, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you okay, you okay? And we're like, you're, we're fine, we're fine. And it was just a crazy scene. And me and Kira, like for days afterwards, we couldn't stop laughing. And then Kira would start crying, I'd start crying, and then we'd just be on the floor again laughing. Like we couldn't believe we were still alive, we couldn't believe it had happened. It was all so surreal. But that was a life-changing time because I always wanted to do something like creative and just be who I who I was, not be ashamed of who I am, you know. And I remember sitting there in the at the side of the road, debris everywhere, you know, suitcases and people and papers and bits of bus just all over the sandy road. And I remember thinking, my God. No matter how bad, let's say, whatever I want to do with my life gets, like let's say stand-up comedy, no matter how bad that gets, it cannot get as bad as this moment right here. Can't. Cannot get as bad as this is the lowest of the low. Can Nothing in my life can get as bad as this moment right here. And then... I heard from the wreckage the song When You're Looking Like That and I said alright now it can't get worse than this <laughs> this is the lowest moment of my life so that was a life changing moment anyway this has been a um, the 25th episode of Shane's Brilliant Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll talk to you from tr- live from fucking Tralee, man. Live from Tralee. We're coming to you live from Tralee. Your man's doing fucking podcasts, boy. In Tralee, like, oh, Shane Clifford, man. Fucking weirdo, boy. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brilliant Shane. You can follow me on Instagram at Brilliant Shane. You can... If you want, or you can send me emails, Shane's Brilliant email at gmail.com. And if you'd like, you can subscribe if you want to support the show. Shane's uh, Brilliant fucking hell. Patreon.com forward slash Shane's Brilliant <laughs> podcast. So I'll talk to you next week from Trudy, Hobnob, and cheers. Nice one. Thank you. <laughs>